Thank you, choir, orchestra, Caroline. I appreciate all that you do every Sunday as we come to worship. Well, the history of Israel is a story of peaks and valleys. It is a story of spiritual ups and downs. For instance, when they were in the land of Goshen, that was a peak for them. That was a time of prosperity. That was a time of power. It was a time of growth in the history of Israel. But out of that time, they were forced into the valley of slavery by the Egyptians. It was however during that valley that they turned to God in prayer. And the Bible says God heard their groaning and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so while the Hebrews were in Egyptian bondage when they were in slavery in this valley, they cried out to God and the Bible says that God heard their prayer of anguish. As they cried out to him, God heard their prayer of anguish and remembered the covenant that he had made with them. It was at that time God called Moses to deliver them out of bondage. You recall that Moses was hesitant to say yes to God. He said, God, who am I to go to Pharaoh? Who am I to be used? Why should he listen to me? And so he was hesitant. And yet he yielded and did what God had called him to do. Now then after they came out of bondage, which had to be one of the mountaintops in their lives, they came out of bondage, they went into the wilderness, and most of the wilderness was a valley for them. It was a time of doubt. It was a time of complaint. It was a time when God gave them angels food to eat, and yet they complained about the food that God had provided. So... When I look at the history of Israel, it is a story of peaks and valleys, spiritual ups and downs. Well, recently I was reading, this is where I am in my devotional time, I'm reading in the book of Exodus. I came to Exodus chapter 6 where God told them that he was going to release them from bondage. And so I want to share that with you today. Exodus chapter 6 beginning in verse number 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. For under compulsion he shall let them go. And under compulsion he shall drive them out of his land. God spoke further to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. And I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as God Almighty. But my name, Lord, I did not make known to them. And I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they sojourned. And furthermore, I have heard the groaning of the sons of Israel because the Egyptians are holding them in bondage. And I have remembered my covenant. Say therefore to the sons of Israel, I am the Lord and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will deliver you from their bondage. I will also redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. Then I will take you for my people and I will be your God. And you shall know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will bring you to the land which I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob 
and I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. So Moses spoke thus to the sons of Israel, but they did not listen to Moses on account of their despondency and cruel bondage. As I read that passage of scripture, I don't know what it was, but it seemed that the Lord was speaking to me about the situation with Israel at the time. And so I have spent some time preparing this message from this passage of scripture. One of the questions that I often ponder, I have wondered is, why is it that a nation or an individual for that matter, who has had a relationship with God, would ever reject the relationship? Why would it be that a nation that has its history rooted in a relationship to God would ever go away from that relationship or an individual? Well, as I looked at this passage of Scripture and I pondered that question for myself, I think there are two basic reasons that happens. One is that we forget our history with God. In the book, The Life of Reason, it declares those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. When we forget our past, when we forget our relationship with God, when we forget God's provision in our life, then that leads us back to a time before we had that relationship with Him. We forget our history. In fact, that's what happened to Egypt. You see, Egypt had a relationship with God, had a relationship with the Jews. That was a part of their history. Pharaoh had a dream, and in the dream he saw seven fat cows, and then he saw them consumed by seven lean, gaunt cows. He didn't know what that meant. And then he heard that Joseph, the Jew, could interpret dreams, so he sent for Joseph. He told him the dream and Joseph said, the Lord is telling you about the future. He said, there are going to be seven years of prosperity. That's the fat cows. There will be seven years of prosperity. And he said, then there, that will be followed by seven years of famine, seven years of, of difficulty within the land. He said, thus you need to save up during the time of prosperity for those times that are going to be lean years. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, then why, why don't you do this? Why, why don't you lead during this time of prosperity and help us to save up to prepare for that time that is coming? And the Bible says that Joseph led them during those days. And then in Genesis 41 it says, and, and the people of all the earth came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph. So what happened under the leadership of Joseph at this time, they became the breadbasket of the world. There was a famine that was taking place that was worldwide. They became the place to go to get food. So Egypt was blessed of God as a result of God's vision and Joseph's leadership. But then time goes by and they forget that history with God. They forget that history with Joseph. And so the scripture says in Exodus chapter 1 verse number 8, Now a new king arose over Egypt who did not know Joseph. So as I look at the history of Egypt, they had a history with God. They had a history with the Jews, but then as time goes on, they forget their history. 
a new king arrived who did not know Joseph. Forgot their history. Israel oftentimes forgot their history with God. God had promised them that he was going to lead them to a land flowing with milk and honey. He tells them about the land. I'm going to give you this land of promise. It's a promised land. But then when they were in the wilderness, after they had been freed from Egyptian bondage, they forgot about their history with God. And they complained. And you recall that when Moses went up on Mount Sinai to receive the Ten Commandments, they said to Aaron that, why don't you make us a God? We don't know if Joseph is, I mean, if Moses is coming back or not. And so it was a time of complaint. As, as they were in the wilderness, they forgot about God's provision, how God had miraculously delivered them from Egypt. They forgot all about that. And so they suffered as a result of it. I, I, I think that America suffers at the altar of forgetfulness also. You know, the thing that makes America different, that makes America great, in, in my opinion, I think history bears it out. But the thing that has made our country a great country is because of our, our, our commitment to the Lord. You see, America was founded, I know that this is not said often today, but America was founded on the Word of God. It was built on the foundation of faith. When the Constitution Convention met to write the Constitution that we so revere today, they had a period of five weeks where they were deadlocked. The authors of the Constitution could not come to agreement. They were deadlocked as to what to do, and they couldn't, couldn't agree. Benjamin Franklin, the elder statesman of the group, stood before them and called them to prayer. He said, we can't do this alone. He said, we need the help of God. And so he called the convention to prayer. And it was out of that prayer the Constitution was born. Newsweek magazine wrote December the 27th, 1982. Historians are discovering that the Bible, Newsweek magazine, that the Bible, perhaps even more than the Constitution, is our founding document. You see, America has been a blessed nation because of our relationship to God. America's exceptionalism is not in our might nor our wealth, but in a relationship to God. But I am fearful that we have largely forgotten that history, that heritage that we have. And so when it's time for us to celebrate the birth of Christ, we don't, it's not Merry Christmas, it's Happy Holidays. And when it's time to celebrate the resurrection of Christ, it is not Easter, it is spring break. And largely, education in our country has forgotten our history and they have failed to share the history of a nation that has been under God, a nation that is committed to God. Business has forgotten that the morals that allowed them to build the success that they have came from the Word of God and now then they have become hostile to the Word of God. Even some churches have forgotten our history with God. So, how does it happen? How does, how does a nation, how does a people, how does an individual who has had a relationship with God reject that relationship? But they forget their history. We were singing that a while ago. I remember, Steve, I remember. When we fail to remember, then we lose that 
heritage. How do we reject God after having a walk with God, a relationship with God? We forget our history. The second thing is we're fearful of the world's power. You'll notice in chapter 5, verse 23, Ever since I came to Pharaoh to speak in thy name, he has done harm to this people, and thou hast not delivered this people at all. You see, the fact is Moses was intimidated by the world's power. He was intimidated by Pharaoh. That's what he meant when he said, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh to speak to Pharaoh? Why should Pharaoh listen to me? He was intimidated by the power of the world. He said, God, when I try to speak in thy name, things don't get better. They only get worse. They only get worse when I speak in thy name. Nation rejects God when it forgets its history with God, if it has a history with God, forgets its history with God and is intimidated by the power of the world. But then we see God's intervention in verse number one. Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. For under compulsion he shall let them go, and under compulsion he shall drive them out of the land. Now as I look at chapter 5, verse number 23, it becomes obvious that man alone is inadequate to change things. Okay? We're inadequate to change. That's what Moses was saying. He said, God, every time I speak in thy name, things don't get better. They only get worse. Man alone is inadequate to change things. Moses tried and things got worse. I wonder when we will learn that we are not going to change things alone. We are not going to make things different without God. Oh, we sometimes get caught up in the fray just like everyone else, not a lot of difference, that if we can just elect the right person to office, if we can elect this person or if we can elect that person, then things will change, but they don't get better. We believe that if we can just get everyone educated, if they are properly educated, if we give everyone a good education, then things are going to improve. And education is more available to all in this country than it has ever been, but things don't get better. We think that if people are prosperous, if they have money, if they have wealth, then they are going to do the right things. People are going to be better and we're, we are a prosperous country. Sometimes I think we lose sight of that. You know, we talk about how many people are in poverty. Do you realize in this country those people who are in poverty have a car to drive, a TV to watch, a cell phone to talk on? If you want to see poverty, you go to some other countries. Even those who are poor in this country are prosperous, and yet things don't get better. But it is when we come to that realization that we are inadequate ourselves, then we are ready to see God make a difference. And that's what he says here. He says, you shall see what I will do. You'll see what I'll do. One of my favorite stories in the Old Testament, and I love the Old Testament, some wonderful stories in it, but one of my favorite stories is in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Jehoshaphat the king got up one day and he was surrounded by the armies of the enemy. 
He was surrounded, nothing he could do. So he called everybody to prayer. He got all the people together to pray. And in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse number 12, he says, this is a part of his prayer. For we are powerless before this great multitude who are coming against us. Nor do we know what to do. We don't know what to do. We're surrounded here. We don't know what to do. But our eyes are on thee. Isn't that a good place to be? God, we're surrounded by the enemy. We are powerless. We don't even know what to do. But God, our eyes are on thee. That's what you see in this passage of Scripture. It is when we come to the end of ourselves, understanding our own inadequacy, that we look to God, and when we look to God, God says, now you stand back and see what I can do. God can accomplish his purposes, and sometimes he creates a situation that is not comfortable, but he creates a situation, a circumstance that brings about his purpose. That's what he said to Moses. Under compulsion. Twice he says that, under compulsion. And he says, they will drive you out. They're not going to try to keep you there. They're going to be happy to get rid of you. You're going to go out of slavery because I am going to create a, I'm going to create a situation with Egypt that they are going to drive you out. You see, folks, sometimes we have to come to the place of uncomfortableness for us to look to God to do what God plans to do. You remember the story of the prodigal son? The prodigal came to his senses when he got in the pig pen. It was, he wasted his living with riotous living. He was having a good old time, but he lost everything, ended up in the pig pen. In the pig pen, the Bible says that he came to his senses under compulsion. I sometimes wonder, I don't have the answer, I'm sure there are those who do, I don't, is that's what's happening in America today. I just wonder sometimes, is it, because we are all familiar with the decline, the things that are happening in our country today and in every way we can imagine, is that God putting us in a situation where we have no place else to turn, so we look to him? We come to the place where we recognize our own inadequacy and so we see what God can do. I, I like all the prepositions in verse number 6 when he is telling them what he's going to do. He said, I'll bring you out of your suffering. He continues in verse 6, I will deliver you from your bondage. He continues, I will redeem you with judgments. And, that, and that's what the plagues were. God sent the judgment. He said, I will bring you out. And under compulsion, they will let you go. And then in verse number 8, he says, And I will bring you to the land which I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I'll give it to you for possession. You see what God is saying? I promised you the land. I'm going to give you the land. It might not be the way that you expected, but I'm going to give you the land because I am faithful to my promise. God intervenes in the affairs of his people. Third thing we see is what is our part? God delivers. We know that. When we come to the end of ourselves, when we come to the 
to recognize our own inadequacy. We look to God and God says, when you look to me, see what I'm going to do. See what I will do. But what is our part? What are we supposed to do? Well, as I look at this, I see that we are to proclaim his word. Look at verse number 9. God tells him what he's going to do. And so Moses spoke thus to the sons of Israel. Moses told God's people what God had said. So he went to the people of God and told them what God had told him. As I read that, I wondered, are we talking to the wrong people? And we spend a lot of our time talking to the politicians. We spend a lot of our time talking to the business people. We spend a lot of our time talking to others. But as I look at this passage of Scripture and other passages in the Bible, folks, did you know the onus is on us? God's people. We are the ones who are given the responsibility. That's what 2 Chronicles seven fourteen says. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. Do you see to whom this is addressed? If my people who are called by my name. I read that thought of this and I thought, are we spending too much time talking to the wrong crowd when we should be talking to the people of God? Because, folks, the fact is the health of our country, the future of our country lies with you and lies with me. It lies with the people of God. That has been given to us. That is our responsibility. If my people who are called by my name. Now what are the requirements that he gives to us? What are we to do? Humble themselves. We are not going to see revival and the move of God and the change of the land with prideful Christians. Humble themselves and pray. Every one of us should be on our knees on a daily basis asking God to send revival. Coming to the Lord, asking Him to send revival. If we're going to see what He's going to do. We humble ourselves, we pray, we seek His face. Now, it's interesting to me, most of the time when we are seeking God, we're seeking His hand. We're seeking His blessings. We're seeking his power. We're seeking his hand. But he said, seek my face. That means a relationship. That I, I just want to be with God. I just want to be with God. Seek his face, his person, who he is. Not, not so much for his hand, but his face. If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, there has to be repentance. Why in heaven's name would we think that God is going to bless us? I hear this all the time. God is, God is going to bless us when we're disobedient to God. There has to be repentance. We have to acknowledge our sin and repent before God. Now he says that if you do that, what will he do? He says, then I will hear. Do you want God to hear the prayers that you pray? He says, then I'll hear. He tells us what to do and he says, and then I'll hear. I will forgive. If we ask God for forgiveness, he will forgive. 
God is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When we confess our sins, repent of our sin, and he said, then I'll heal. That's what he says. Well, we know what the word says, but what we see determines what we do. I mean, did I just tell you something you didn't know? When I said, you know, if, if, we, if we repent of our sins and, and so forth, and you've heard that all forever. That's not anything new. So it's not that we have a, a lack of knowledge concerning the Word of God. Where we fall short is in the doing of what God says. But it is what we see that determines what we do. Now look at verse number 9 again. So Moses spoke thus to the sons of Israel, but they didn't. They did not listen to Moses. They heard the words, but they did not listen to Moses. Why? On account of their despondency and cruel bondage. They did not listen to God's word because of their despondency. They, in other words, they were so focused on their suffering. They were so focused on the bad things that were happening that they did not heed the word of God. They were so focused on their cruel bondage that they could not claim their freedom. Matthew Henry wrote, By indulging ourselves in discontent, by indulging ourselves in discontent and fretfulness, we deprive ourselves of the comfort we might have both from God's Word and from His providence. So, are we somewhat like Israel? We all know what is wrong, do we not? We already know what is wrong. We, we have a government that is largely hostile to our beliefs. There is an entertainment world that ridicules our beliefs. And largely we have an education that teaches against our beliefs. We know what the situation is. And... We can focus our attention there. And I have to confess to you that I've spent a lot of time doing that. I have spent a lot of time focusing on, on all of these things that are wrong. And did you know I'm not in a better mood as a result of it? In fact, I'm probably not a better Christian as a result of it. All right, so we know what the situation is and we can focus all of our attention there and become despondent as did they. Or we can focus on the Savior. I mean, after all, He is omniscient. He knows what's going on too. He is omnipresent. He is with us in the good days and the bad days. And He is omnipotent. He can bring us out, deliver us from, redeem us and bring us to his kingdom. Let me conclude. There's no question that we are largely a long way away from God. Many churches no longer honor the word of God. The government has willfully decided against the word of God and entertainment promotes an anti-God message. But you and I, you and I, can choose to remember God. You and I can choose to focus our attention on the deliverer to see what he can do. 
It is of interest to me that when in 1607 the American founders arrived at Jamestown, they erected a cross and prayed. This is the founding of America. We do hereby dedicate this land and ourselves to reach the people within these shores with the gospel of Jesus Christ and to raise up godly generations after us and with these generations take the kingdom of God to all the earth. That's our founding. That's our history. That's who we've been. But now it's time for you and me to decide what we do. As Joshua stood before the people of Israel and said to them, Choose you this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. I challenge you to that today. You and I can focus all of our attention on everything that is wrong or we can look to the Savior and say as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And then we see what God can do. Our gracious Father in God, I thank you for the story concerning Israel because there's so much that we share in common with them. And I pray, Father, that we might heed the words that you gave to Moses. And Lord, that we will commit ourselves to you to change this world for Jesus Christ as we trust you and look to you. Bless this invitation time, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Just a moment, we're going to stand and sing a hymn of invitation. If you're here without Christ, I encourage you to commit your life to Christ. If you're looking for a church home, our doors are open. We'd love to have you as a part of our church. You just come. A staff member will have prayer with you. Stand with me, please. As we stand, they sing. You come. I'll greet you.